Welcome to West Virginia Talk with James and Jerry. I'm James. And I'm Jerry. How about one of my favorites, Steve Harvey. (laughs) Love Steve Harvey. Yeah, Steve Harvey, actor-comedian. Born in Welch, 1957, McDowell County. If you're from West Virginia, you can't help but be proud to say that Steve Harvey is from your state. Well, let's see. What's he done? How about this? Uh, Multiple NAACP Image Awards, six-time Emmy Award winner, and a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Wow. How about that? And this is a man... That has given his testimony. I don't know if you've heard. I'm sure you have. You've had to have heard his testimony that he gave to his audience. Yeah. About how he was living out of his car. Yep. Ready to throw the towel in. He's wanting to call his daddy. And at the last minute, he gets that phone call saying, hey, come on in. And he just continues to give God praise yep. for opening those doors. Was that 1980? I think that's when he got his real, real start, his, his big start. So let's check it out. I mean, yeah, he was living out of his car, but he was lots of other things before he was a name. So uh, born in Welch, McDowell County, his father, Jesse, <laughs> what a surprise, coal miner. Surprise, I can't believe that. The state of West surprise. Virginia. Yeah. Uh, grew up in Welch uh, until high school, and he and his family moved to Cleveland. But his West Virginia story doesn't end there. He came back to the Mountain State when he attended WVU. He also attended Kent State in Ohio. And before his successes, he was an auto assembly worker, mailman, carpet cleaner, insurance salesman, a boxer, and homeless. Really? Yeah. So wow. he went through a lot trying to make it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's easy to look at people. And assume that they've always had it made. You're right, because you don't know the genesis of their success. Right. You you don't you never had to walk a mile in their shoes and see what they had to go through to get to where sure. they are. Now you might remember the first time you saw them on TV, but the fact that they were on television means they made it. What did they have to go through to get there? You right. don't know because you don't you didn't see it. So of course he's got his own show, the Steve Harvey Show, and he was one of the kings of comedy. Showtime at the Apollo. Oh man, I'm telling you, if you can make it at the Apollo, you can make it anywhere. That was one of my favorite things to watch. Well, I like when they got booed off stage, and <laughs> you know he comes out and starts sweeping up behind him and stuff like that. Of course, I don't know what it is about human nature that you want to see someone fail. I think it just makes us feel better about ourselves when well, we see somebody else being booed or laughed at. It's just like American Idol auditions. When when American Idol was the show, it wasn't just the ones that were really good. It was the ones that were just god-awful. And you couldn't wait to hear what Simon was going to say. You couldn't wait for Randy to laugh. And then you couldn't wait for Paula to give them a soft landing, you right. see? But that's why you tuned in. Absolutely. You know, because once... Once the auditioning was over and it was Hollywood week, I lost a lot of interest, and then I was done for that season, and I couldn't wait for the next one to roll around for the auditions again. So that's why William Hung was so popular. He wasn't good. He had a great audition. (laughs) So Steve Harvey, uh, like like Jerry says, you know, just really, really successful. If you make it at the Apollo, they are going to love you anywhere. Now, my favorite thing about Steve Harvey – Family feud. Yes. 
I, I love it. The, the funniest reactions from him. Go ahead. My favorite. Okay, I, I know what you're going to say. And, and I got a couple. I hope that my wife forgives me because this is still, I'm sorry, it's not about the contestant, but it was <laughs> so stinking funny. But Steve's asking this question. There's a uh, gentleman on the right and a lady on the left. And he's asking the question. They're going to have to buzz in. And while he, right before he gets ready to ask, somebody from her side goes, distract him. And so she starts jumping up and down and bouncing her boobs. And the guy on the other side is like just enamored by it. I mean, his eyes are like glued to this woman's chest. And Steve turns around and looks at him and he's like, what is wrong with you, man? And just slaps him up the back of the head. (laughs) (laughs) There was a couple, three of my favorite Steve Harvey uh, moments on Family Feud. The uh, or they're up front and they got to hit the buzzer. Yeah, it was uh, name something that a burglar would not want to see when he breaks into your home. And the guy hits it and yells naked grandma. (laughs) Steve says naked, huh? (laughs) Love that one. And then another one was uh, and of course, it was when he was walking along the family. It was uh, give me a word that follows the word pork. Okay, give Uh me one. Give me one. Beans. Okay, pork and beans. I was thinking rinds, pork rinds. This guy said, you pine. You, you pine. Pork, you pine. <laughs> and he goes, huh? <laughs> and then the, the best one, it was uh, the, the, the lightning round at the end, you know? Uh-huh. And it was Celebrity Family Feud. And it was Snoop Dogg, who did a very good Super, Bo- Super Bowl halftime show, I think. Absolutely. But... uh. <laughs> And he one of his questions was pie in the blank, and Snoop Dogg said horse pie in the horse. <laughs> of course, they're looking for pie in the sky or right. something. Pie in the horse. Yeah, he had one of those little left-handed cigarettes, and that's exactly what Steve kept hinting around about <laughs> for the rest of the show. So, yeah, pie in the horse. I like it. So. Yeah, Steve Harvey. We celebrate Steve Harvey. And I love on the Steve Harvey show, there was a YouTube sensation for a few years, Grandma and Genga. Yes. Grandma and Genga, if you don't know, they were Clarksburg residents. And he actually flew the two of them to his show. Now, if you don't know who Grandma and Genga were, they were sisters. I think they were, what, 101 and 98 or yeah, something? Yeah, they were old. But they were so salty and feisty with each other. It was it was amazing. And, of course, he was being, he was being flirtatious with Genga, you know, because she had the, the, the fur around her neck and stuff. And, you know, he says, boy, you're looking sharp. You know, <laughs> she's like, oh. Well, anyway, uh, he made a comment, and I love it, because when – West Virginians make it. You don't know how they feel about their home state. Right. But he made this comment. He said, he said, you're all from West Virginia. Us West Virginians have to stick together. So even though he wasn't in West Virginia past the age, I think, 15 years old or something. That's correct. He's still a West Virginian. Yep. Right? And he's, how old is he now? 65? He's up there. He's getting older. He still looks young. I think so. I, I do too. I, the man looks phenomenal for his age. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. So that's Steve Harvey, but him and his wife Marjorie, right? It's yes, Marjorie. 
Um, they started the foundation, the Stephen Marjorie Harvey Foundation, which is a nonprofit organization that's focused on youth education. Ah, I was hoping you'd say they were focused on helping West Virginia podcasters out. Well, you know, maybe eventually we hey, can get him to throw a little love our way. But, well, uh, if, hey, Steve, if you ain't listening to this, maybe someone who does know Steve can tell Steve. West Virginians stick together. That's right. <laughs> we need some help. Brother, well, we need help. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Him and his wife have done a fantastic job. And they're always, he's always giving back to the communities and stuff and to people. Even if it's not financially, morally, the support that he shows and the advice that he gives to people is, is very meaningful. Yep. He, he puts a lot of value into his life. And putting value into the lives of others. Sure. And, and that's something you don't see a lot with a lot of Hollywood actors, actresses, or people that have made it big. They tend to lose that ability to feed in to other people. They kind of think only about themselves. Mm-hmm. But in his case, he definitely doesn't do that. And he, he definitely puts a lot of effort into making communities better than what they were. Awesome. Before we move on to the next segment, I want to give some uh, props to our listeners in West Virginia. We got to give props to our people in Kaiser, Berkeley Springs, Morgantown, and Parkersburg, our uh, largest audience in the state. And special, special thanks to our German and New Zealander listeners. Y'all are leading the pack in uh, out-of-the-country listenership. And Want to welcome Japan and Brazil yes. to the podcast, our, our newest country. Brazil, our 16th country in which we've been downloaded. So uh, let's move on to Booker T. Washington. Also want to congratulate the folks from around the area that received some Cabela's gear. We got some Cabela's gear, of course, courtesy of Cabela's, but at the one in Wheeling. Um, we were giving away some hats and shirts and, uh, hope everyone that received them enjoys them. Uh, the, the colors and, and everything that you guys got was totally random. So the sizes, well, we tried to accommodate as best we could. (laughs) Okay. So let's get into our next segment here. It's Booker T Washington. And as we mentioned earlier, uh, J.R. Clifford and W.E.B. Du Bois, uh, they were on the same page for a while during the Niagara movement and then kind of went their own separate ways after the, uh, the establishment of the NAACP. Well, both of those were kind of in opposition of Booker T. Washington. Okay. A lot of people don't know this stuff. Kind of like Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. A lot of people think that they were contemporaries and that they had the com- that they had common goals. And really they didn't other than they wanted uh, the harassment to stop, right? The racism to stop. They both wanted that, but they had totally different goals and they had different, uh, visions of a path to get to there. So, uh, same was, uh, for Booker T. Washington versus J.R. Clifford. So Booker T. Washington, uh, born in 1856 in Franklin County, Virginia, right. which was a slave state. So Booker T., born a slave well and and i think that right there is one of the bigger reasons why they had a difference too one was born to free blacks the other one 
the last of the slaves. Yeah, know? but now, now that see, makes a big difference well, in how you approach things. Don't make an assumption because what he just said it may surprise you on how they felt about things. So we're going to get to that here in a little bit. Now, Booker T. Washington's father was unknown, but it was rumored that he was white. Um, at the time of his em- uh, emancipation, his name was Booker Taliaferro, not Booker T. Washington. It was Booker Taliaferro. Now, was that his mom's maiden name? I I don't think anybody really knows. His mother was only known as Jane. Okay. So... <clears throat> When they were emancipated, she took uh, her her uh, son, Booker, to free West Virginia, and there waiting for them was Booker's stepfather, who established a place to live and got a job and then sent for them, okay? So <clears throat> after finding, finding out that his last name was Talia Farrow, he made it his middle name and took his stepfather's last name. So it went from Booker Taliaferro to Booker T. Washington. Okay. So Washington was his stepfather's name. He just adopted that. Okay, so he moved with his family to free West Virginia, Malden, West Virginia, to be exact, near Charleston, where he worked in salt furnaces and coal mines. He left West Virginia, went to college in Virginia, became the first president of Tuskegee Institute in 1881, okay? Mm-hmm. Only a few years after he graduated from college. A lot of people think that he founded the Tuskegee Institute. That is not true, but he has a lot to do with the way that the campus is today. It's not Tuskegee Institute now. It's T- Tuskegee University. So whenever they hired him to be the president, the first president, it was in a room of a church, that was it. It was a one-room school. Wow. So he bought property nearby, and he had students literally build the campus themselves. They were making bricks out of mud, and they were doing the landscape, and they were planting the, the gardens and all that stuff. It was a self-sufficient university for students by students. So in that way, he founded it, but he did not start it. Okay. So he founded what we know today as Tuskegee University. Was it at that university that he made that speech? No, that was that, in Atlanta. That was in Atlanta. Yes. Now, that's I'm glad you brought that up. So what Jerry's talking about, he gave a speech called the Atlanta Exposition Address. Right. And at the time, it was endorsed by... Du Bois, but then he thought it didn't go far enough, and he was very critical of it later, and he called it the Atlanta Compromise. And this is though, this is really where Booker starts to make a name for himself. It's this speech that really gets him nationally recognized. Sure. So, I mean, people, if you haven't read it, we advise that you take a look at it. it it's a very... Well, this, yeah. Important the, document. You the, know, the speech speech. that he gave was 14 years after uh, Tuskegee was founded. So what it was was this. He's telling his, uh, his fellow African-Americans, I know that we live in Jim Crow. I know that things are tough. Don't fight back. It's almost like a turn the cheek kind of mentality. 
just work hard, show them that you know you're, you're gonna you're gonna play nice, and they'll start respecting you. But he also made agreements with the racist South white politicians and said, "We're gonna we're gonna do this. We're gonna we're gonna go along with it, but we want education for our people, and we want." economic opportunities for our people. Right. And he felt, and that's why the boys called it the compromise. Right. He's like, we're going to, we're going to entertain your racism with good humor. If we get something out of it, Booker T Washington's in a nutshell thing was low risk, low reward. And W E B Du Bois and J R Clifford was no, no high risk, high reward. Right. Okay. Uh, they, the Niagara movement felt like we shouldn't have to earn the right to be free. Right. We should be free because it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And we're going to make a lot of noise until we get it. Right. Booker T. Washington's like, don't make noise. Okay. That's when things go wrong. So in today's current political climate, Booker T. Washington more and more is being kind of denounced. Right. And, and you can see why. Absolutely. You know, I mean, if if I was black, I would. And you're definitely I would, not. I would not side with that opinion of just be nice and play play well with the people who are treating you like crap. Now, let, let me give you an alternative perspective. Okay. It's only a couple decades after the Civil War is over. I know. And he's and talking to ones in the South and they yeah. know what the alternative could right, be. The repercussions of standing up can cost you your life or your family could be killed. Or right. that. And so I understand that, but I, I think that it would be, it'd be a tough spot. I, I, I don't want to know. I don't want to feel what they had to feel then. I don't think anybody does. You know, what happened back then is no different in my opinion, okay? This is my opinion. This is not the opinion of our podcast or James. This is my opinion. No different than the Holocaust. It really wasn't. It was, we treated an entire race like trash and thought that was okay. And then we want to sweep it under the rug and go, well, we'll talk about the Holocaust and how evil the Nazis were, but we don't want to confess to what happened here. You know, yeah, it may, maybe it did happen everywhere. But that still don't make it right. And so that would be a tough spot if I was a black person in that day and age to make that choice. But at the same time, I don't think I could have just been nice. I don't think I could have been treated that way and said, okay, I'm still going to do my thing. And it's a, I'm going to let them treat me like crap just so I can read a book. Uh, I'm sorry. I would probably have sided with the boy in them. I'll, I'll say this. We can't put ourselves in our situations. No, we so can't. Uh, like we can't. I said, I it's, just... it's so easy for us to say this is the right way to do it or the wrong way to do it. You know, they had common goals. They just had totally different paths to getting there. <laughs>